0: This is your invitation to plug into a lineup of Lexus electrified vehicles built at the intersection of performance and design with a range of options to fit any lifestyle. A feeling this electric is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the elevation of electrification and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.
1: Inventory may vary by dealer.
3: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell.
4: I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore.
5: We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. I task you not only to win the
2: battle, but to win the war.
4: we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something.
0: After
6: centuries of fighting, you're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. You have meddled with the primal forces of
2: nature.
7: And you will
2: atone. Hey there. I'm your Matt, prophet of the airwaves, and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada, news notes and opinions from the underground for Wednesday, January the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2023. Good afternoon, everyone. And uh, just a friendly reminder, it's probably the vaccine. Hope you're all doing well. I wonder what's going through the minds of the idiots at the College of Psychologists of Ontario this afternoon As they watched uh, hundreds of people protesting outside their office, I am referring to the morons at the college who think it's acceptable and ethical to threaten Dr. Jordan Peterson, world renowned psychologist Dr. Jordan Peterson with the forfeiture of his license unless he attends and successfully completes a social media retraining program. They want to censor him. They want to regulate free speech. The College of Psychologists have about, uh, the last time I checked, about 2,100 followers on Twitter. Oh, bless their hearts. 2,100 followers. Dr. Jordan Peterson has 3.7 million followers. But the college seems to think they have something to teach Dr. Jordan Peterson about social media. This is about politics. Dr. Jordan Peterson is a harsh critic of our crime minister, He believes in an objective reality. Peterson doesn't agree with compelled speech or authoritarianism and government overreach or ridiculous, unscientific, woke ideology. All of these things put him in conflict with the College of Psychologists of Ontario. So they're trying to send him to a re-education camp. And the morons at the College of Psychologists who are behind this are... Contemptible. Contemptible. And those at the college who are going along with this, and perhaps they disagree with it, but they're going along with it because they're afraid to speak out, well, they're cowards. The College of Psychologists of Ontario is an embarrassment to a free society, which we profess to be. I mean, isn't it ironic that the college is charged with licensing and regulating and overseeing psychologists who are supposed to treat people struggling with mental health issues. Let me just sit that sit that. Let me just sit there with that for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs the couch trip? So Dr. Peterson is challenging this, uh, challenging this in court. And uh, I would not trust the director of investigations at the college to make me a peanut butter sandwich so he's right to go uh, to the courts with this this is a failed institution they've demonstrated horrible horrible judgment and they've thoroughly discredited them- themselves the entire council the board of directors the investigators etc they should all be fired it's a mess it's a disgrace David Menzies from Rebel News was at the rally in support of Dr. Jordan Peterson this afternoon, and he'll be here shortly to discuss. Yesterday, I was reading an article about Pfizer and their long history of fraud, corruption, and using children as human guinea pigs. And I barely got out of the 1990s. And then I took a call and I neglected to finish the article. And because I can't remember exactly where I left off, I just thought I'd sort of restarted from the beginning. But then I'll jump into the 2000s because it's that important. And the article, again, was on Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s Twitter feed. He may be one of the few Democrats I actually have any time for. Anyway, the piece was published on the Children's Health Defense News website. One of the most significant cultural transformations of the last two, two years has been the newfound glorification of the pharmaceutical industry. Again, this is published on the Children's Health Defense News website. Any industry plagued by decades of fraud, corruption, and criminality managed to quickly rebrand itself as the savior of humanity during the COVID 19 crisis. But nothing inherently changed. Big Pharma still values shareholders' profits more than people's lives. The regulatory agencies still operate as revolving doors to the pharmaceutical giants they're said to regulate. Big Pharma still dominates lobbying efforts in Washington, D.C. and spends billions each year advertising pharmaceutical products. Despite the notorious corrupt nature of the pharmaceutical industry, Pfizer CEO Albert Bourla... Claimed during a November 2021 interview that a small group of medical professionals who are intentionally circulating misinformation critical of the Pfizer vaccine narrative are criminals. Ah, That's so rich. Borla seemed to have forgotten about the history of his own company. So I didn't, I, I just barely got out of the 1990s. Let's jump ahead to the two thousands because we're short on time. I need a whole show to run down the list in 2002. Pfizer agreed to pay $49 million to settle allegations the drug company defrauded the federal government and 40 states by charging too much for its cholesterol treatment Lipitor. Lipitor had sales of $6.45 billion in 2001. In 2004, Pfizer agreed to plead guilty to two felonies and paid $430 million in penalties to settle charges it fraudulently promoted the drug uh, Neurontin. Neuro, and, uh, I can't pronounce it, but it's Neuro, Neuro, Neurontin, I guess, for unapproved uses. Pfizer agreed that it had aggressively marketed the epilepsy drug illicitly for unrelated conditions, including bipolar disorder, pain, migraine, headaches, and drug and alcohol withdrawal. Pfizer's tactics included planting company operatives in the audience at medical education events and bribing doctors with luxury trips. In 2008, The New York Times published an article entitled Experts Conclude Pfizer-Manipulated Studies. Pfizer delayed the publication of negative studies, spun negative data to place it in a more positive light, and controlled the flow of clinical research data to promote its epilepsy drug, Neurontin. Pfizer discontinued its marketing program for Neurontin in 2004 after the drug became available as a generic that same year, the company paid $430 million to settle federal criminal and civil claims that one of its subsidiaries had promoted the drug for unapproved uses. In 2009, Pfizer was fined $2.3 billion, then the largest healthcare fraud settlement and the largest criminal fine ever imposed in the United States. Pfizer pled guilty to misbranding the painkiller Bextra with the intent to defraud or mislead promoting the drug to treat acute pain at dosages the FDA had previously deemed dangerously high. Getting the picture here? The government alleged that Pfizer had paid kickbacks to compliant doctors and also promoted three other drugs illegally, the antipsychotic Giudon, an antibiotic uh, Xyvox, and the and anti-epileptic uh, drug Lyrica. In 2009, Pfizer paid $750 million to settle 35,000 claims that its drug Resulin was responsible for 63 deaths and dozens of li- liver failures. Resulin's withdrawal from the U.S. market on March 21st, 2000 followed negotiations between the drug's manufacturer and the FDA. Senior FDA officials had long stood behind the drug, despite a mounting death toll and Resulin's absence of proven life-saving benefits. The position of the FDA officials stood in contrast to their counterparts in Britain, where Resulin was removed effectively on December the first, 1997. In 2010, Pfizer was ordered to pay one hundred and forty two point one million dollars in damages for violating federal anti racketeering law by its fraudulent sale and marketing of of, uh, marketing of Neurontin for uses uses not approved by the FDA. The jury found that Pfizer's marketing of Neurontin violated both the racketeer influencing and corrupt organizations act and California's unfair competition law. I have to jump ahead because I'm out of time. In 2013, and I'm skipping some some important things here, but in 2013, Pfizer agreed to pay $55 million to settle criminal charges of failing to warn patients and doctors about the risks of kidney disease, kidney injury, kidney failure, and acute uh, interstitial nephritis caused by its proton pump inhibitor Protonix. In 2013, Pfizer set aside 288 million dollars to settle claims by 2,700 people that its drugs, but that its drug Chantix, caused suicidal thoughts and severe psychological disorders. The FDA determined that Chantix is probably associated with a higher risk of heart attacks. In 2014, Pfizer paid 35 million dollars to settle a lawsuit accusing its subsidiary of promoting the kidney transplant drug Rapamune. For unapproved, unapproved uses, including bribery, uh, bribing doctors to, to prescribe it to patients. According to New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, who led the probe, Pfizer got doctors to push the drug for unapproved uses, relying on, quote, misleading presentations of data. So there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm up to 2013. Still 10 years of corporate fraud and criminality to go, but I'm out of time. But we should trust Pfizer, right? They only have our best interests at at heart, right? It's just like Neil deGrasse Tyson said the other day when he flew into a rage when asked why we should trust the vaccine. We have systems in place, he said. Sure. Sure we do. It's probably the vaccine. David Menzies from Rebel News is next with a report on the rally in support of Dr. Jordan Peterson. The Richard Serrett Show off and running for Wednesday, January the 11th. Keep your stick on the ice.
6: We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk,
2: Saga 960 AM. All right. Welcome back. As I say, a protest, a rally, rather, a rally in support of Dr. Jordan Peterson took place this afternoon in front of the College of Psychologists of Ontario. I guess that's on Eglinton Avenue West and uh, the Menzoid. David Menzies, Rebel News Mission Specialist, was there covering the uh, the rally, and he joins us now. David, how are you?
4: Richard, I'm doing great. How about yourself? And Happy New Year, by the way.
2: Happy New Year. You just made the cutoff because <laughs> I was debating this the other day. I think I'm I'm appointing January the 18th. That should be on the calendar. After January 18th, no more Happy
4: New Year. So. Well, you're very generous, Richard, because I think Larry David says January 7th is the cutoff.
2: What does he know? What does he know? (laughs) (laughs) What has he ever done? (laughs) All right. So set the stage, us, David. This this is uh, in front of the College of Psychologists of Ontario. On is it Eglinton Avenue uh, West or East in uh, Toronto?
4: That's correct. One hundred and ten Eglinton Avenue West, Richard. And um, yeah, I guess talk about psychological warfare. Uh, A few hundred people uh, came out. I wish it was a few uh, thousand or a few hundred thousand because that's how dearly I feel about this issue, which, as you know, Richard, is freedom of speech. And as you've talked about on your show, uh, Dr. Peterson is essentially being persecuted for wrong thought. Um, I'll go back to the tweet uh, that he sent out uh, a couple of tweets uh, earlier this month, Richard, um, where this is what Peterson wrote in his own words, quote, breaking. The Ontario College of Psychologists has demanded that I submit myself to mandatory social media communication, retraining with their experts for, among other crimes, retweeting Pierre Polyev and criticizing Justin Trudeau, and his political allies. I am to take a course of such training with reports documenting my progress or face an in-person tribunal and suspension of my right to operate as a licensed clinical psychologist. About a dozen people from all over the world submitted complaints about my public statements on Twitter and Rogan over a four-year period out of the 15 million people who follow me on social media, claiming that I had harmed people, not them, with my views, end quote. So, Richard, what's so important here is that, you know, I understand why medical disciplines and, and, and lawyers have uh, colleges and regulating bodies. Uh, if there is some shenanigans with a, with, a, with a lawyer, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a doctor, et cetera, uh, in terms of improper behavior with a former or current client or patient. Well, yes, we all want that to be investigated. We don't want that kind of misbehavior to be allowed. But Richard, the misbehavior here by Dr. Jordan Peterson, one of the most keen minds on the planet, is political wrong thought. The college has determined he is tweeting out content that goes against, I guess, their left wing grain. And I must say, Richard, I have zero doubt that there are left of center psychologists tweeting out their uh, favorite political tweets and they are not being reviewed by the college. And by the way, nor would I want them to be, Richard, because we believe in freedom of speech. But it's a double standard if it's someone who's right of center, if it's someone who's pro polyev and anti uh Justin Trudeau, what a disgrace this is
2: right I agree a hundred percent uh i'm 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 sure the the Politburo uh over in uh, communist China or whatever they call over there and and uh north korea uh they're they're applauding the College of Psychologists in Ontario, but this is just a stain. Uh, and an embarrassment, really, for any free society. And we're supposed to be a free society. I mean, they've just completely gone off the rails with this. We'll uh, we'll take a quick time out. David Menzies is with us, mission specialist with Rebel News and host of the Rebel Roundup scene Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern Rebel dot com. Back with more on the rally in support of Dr. Jordan Peterson right after these.
6: Let's get back at it on News Talk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard
2: Serra Show. The College of Psychologists of Ontario is persecuting world-renowned Dr. Jordan Peterson. They are trying to uh, censor his political views. They're trying to send him to a re-education camp. He's going to fight it in court. Meanwhile, there was a rally in support of Dr. Peterson held uh, this afternoon at the uh, office of the uh, College of Psychologists of Ontario on Eglinton Avenue in Toronto. David Menzies is with us, Rebel News Mission Specialist, host of the Rebel Roundup, seen Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Rebel News. Uh, so you said there were hundreds of uh, people in attendance at this rally. What was the mood of uh, of the uh, people in the rally?
4: Well, you know, um, it was a very much uh, a peaceful protest. And by that, uh, Richard, I don't mean... the type of peaceful protest you see in Portland. Uh, that's described as peaceful as the um, news reporter is ducking out of the way of a Molotov cocktail. <laughs> but um, no, but there was a huge police presence. I mean, the, the college is right across the street from a, uh, a police station. Um, it was completely unnecessary. There was going to be no storming of the, of the college. And um, I also, I didn't see this, but um, a demonstrator showed me this, that around the block, the mounted units unit was out so um, maybe they were either expecting some shenanigans or somebody was going to open up an illegal barbecue restaurant because we know uh, (laughs) we know John Tory loves to send in all the king's horses and all the king's men when that happens but um, what I will say is um, there were some some notable speakers there one was um, not uh, surprisingly the leader of the People's Party of Canada Maxime Bernier Another one was Pastor Henry Hildebrandt of the Church of God in Elmer, Ontario. He knows something about having your freedom taken away with all the fines that his church received uh, during the pandemic. I'll tell you who wasn't there, Richard Um, CBC, CTV, Global, uh, Rachel Gilmore, (laughs) like you name it. Um, uh, uh, In the mainstream media, I saw one person. A good man that proves that there's a statistical anomaly with everything, that would be Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun. And I fully trust Joe will give uh, a fair report in tomorrow's newspaper.
1: But isn't it amazing that something... Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? You know, so core
4: to what the media should be all about, i.e., freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of the press, and they think that's a nothing burger. They think there's way more important things to talk about. And you alluded to that around the world, this has received attention, including media attention. And it's kind of like Richard, um, you know, the the Ontario, the College of Psychologists of Ontario. Are, they're kind of like the Halton District School Board it, with regard to uh, Busty Lemieux. Um, they've become an international laughingstock, but they're so stubborn. They're so entitled that they're digging in for a fight, which, Richard, frankly, I can't see them winning. Well, you know? that, that,
2: that just speaks to how inept these people are. They really – yeah, they, they have no idea how to – uh, you know, extricate themselves from the situation they've been hoist on their own petard, and uh, you I, you you almost feel I, oh, not you. I'm, I was going to say I almost feel bad for them because they really, as you say, they don't know what they've done here. Um, however, it's not surprising as you mentioned that the uh, the lamestream media not in attendance um, because they're just they're in lockstep. They're all. Pro government overreach. They're all pro authoritarianism. Uh, They have no business operating within a free society. (laughs) I mean, we need a free, independent, um, um, you know, media, a freedom loving media operating in this country. We don't have it. Um, I'm guessing that Jordan Peterson himself was not there.
4: Unfortunately, no, Richard. There was a lot of speculation. Will he come? Will he not come? I wish he had. I would love to have interviewed him about this. Um, I don't know what, you know, his decision making process was not to attend, but I'm sure he watched it uh, online. And, um, you know, I mean, in terms of the what's going to happen in the days, weeks, months ahead with this, we know, Richard, that Dr. Jordan Peterson, this is one cat that does not bend the knee to the woke cancel culture mob. I mean, this is how he rose to prominence about six years ago, I'm guessing, when he was a U of T professor, when he took a stand against compelled speech. He was not going to refer to all the spirit unicorns on campus as Zzer and here whore and all that other mumbo jumbo, phony baloney, pronoun nonsense. Um, and what was the end result? Well, a couple of bestsellers, um, a speaker in demand, the world uh, over. So um, taking a righteous stance has proven very good uh, for Jordan uh, Peterson, I would say ethically, morally and even economically.
2: Did anyone from the Kremlin, I mean, the uh, the college uh, uh, address the uh, the rally?
4: Oh, that, that was a premature April Fool's joke. <laughs> no, I would have. They had a um, a whole battalion of police blocking the entrance. Uh, nobody was getting in or out, as it would appear. And I assume they were curled up in the fetal uh, position, um, you know, probably looking from their ivory tower. Oh gracious, uh, what are these great unwashed masses saying? Well, what are these chants about freedom? Uh, No, 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 Richard, Uh, they're they're sitting this one out. They don't like to get their hands dirty. In true uh, entitled authoritism fashion uh they rule from above they send out their edicts they tell jordan peterson to do this that and the other or else uh lose his license uh these guys just like the halton district school board they are cowards they like to enforce their wokeism but you know as i found out with um you know the halton district school board richard when i went there dressed identically as Busty Lemieux, uh, the alleged transgender uh, teacher, um, that resulted in me getting a letter that I was banned for life for going to any Halton District School Board uh, properties um, or schools or their headquarters. And I think to tie it all together, I think what we're seeing, Richard, is 2023, albeit only uh, less than two weeks old, It looks like this is going to be the unofficial year of censorship in Canada. First, we have this outrageous political witch hunt against Dr. Jordan Peterson by his college. We have C-11 coming down the pike. That's the Justin Trudeau Liberals' um, internet censorship bill. We see that the mainstream media, as you alluded to earlier, uh, they've been bought off. The last couple of years, um, Trudeau used the carrot. Um, he, you know, CBC, well, it was over that over a billion a year. The mainstream media outlets more than six hundred million a year. Uh, the carrot didn't work with independent media, so out comes the stick. So this is very distressing uh, where we've gone, Richard. I think this is a pivotal year when it comes to this government and various colleges and associations telling you, I, and your audience. What you can and cannot say, what you can and cannot tweet, what, even what you can and cannot think. I just wonder if George Orwell were alive and living in our dominion today, oh my God, Richard, what would he have to say about the path we've gone down?
2: Right, he probably would say it was supposed to be a work of fiction, not a how-to manual. <laughs> David Menzies, host of the Rebel Roundup Fridays at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern on RebelNews.com. Rebel News Mission Specialist, David. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon.
4: You take care, Richard. You're doing a great job. Keep it up, my friend.
2: All right. The cult of climate change is next, right here on the Richard Seret Show Saga 960. Don't go away.
6: You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960
1: AM.
3: The cult of climate change on The Richard Serrett Show. This is a disturbing
2: trend. Mainstream media outlets... 60 Minutes on CBS, The New York Times, The Atlantic, uh, profiling and giving a lot of time and space to Malthusians, anti-humanists, people who uh, advocate for depopulation. So a couple of weeks back on uh, New Year's Day, in fact, 60 Minutes interviewed None other than Paul Ehrlich. He's Stanford University biologist. He's 90 years old now. He's responsible for that uh, piece of fiction back in 1968 called the Population Bomb. And he made all of these dire predictions. The world is running out of food. We're overpopulated. We, you know, it's, there's going to be millions and millions of people starving to death. It all turned out to be absolutely false. But what's going on with this trend? And um, here to provide some insights also to tell us a little bit more about Paul Ehrlich and how he's been wrong about just about everything he's ever written about. Tony Heller, founder of RealClimateScience.com. Hey, Tony, Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good, Richard. How about you? I'm very well, thank you. Did you happen to see the uh, the Paul Ehrlich interview on 60 Minutes?
8: Um, no, I don't watch television, but I wrote about it. Yeah. So just uh,
2: I mentioned the population bomb, but just give people a little bit of uh, insight into who Paul Ehrlich uh, is.
8: Well, he um in 1969 the um, New York Times ran an article about discussions uh, involving Paul Ehrlich and the United Nations about poisoning the food and water supply of third-world countries in order to sterilize the population and prevent population growth. So this has been in the works for a really long time um, with the United Nations, the New York Times, Paul Ehrlich, and some portions of academia to try to reduce the world population by any means possible, um, ethical or unethical, mostly unethical, of course. Right. And China's one one
2: baby policy actually apparently was was inspired by Paul Ehrlich.
8: I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. He predicted around 1970 that the oceans would be dead by 1974, um, that food and water rationing would be widespread in the United States by 1980. He, he's had a pretty incredible record of being wrong about everything he's ever said. But you now, like the, the, the 60 minutes is still citing him as an authority. Um, Despite the fact that he's been consistently wrong, which seems to be a common pattern these days. Right. Um,
2: he predicted, again, in the 1970s, hundreds of millions of people will starve to death in spite of any cash program embarked upon now. He said at this late date, nothing can prevent a substantial increase in the world death rate. Here's how wrong he was. The world's crude death rate per 1,000 people fell from 12.9 in 1965 to 1970 to 8.1 in 2020 to 2025. That's a reduction of 37 percent famines which were once common throughout the world, have disappeared outside of war zones. The world produces um, uh, record amounts of food. Hundreds of millions of people didn't starve to death in the 70s or thereafter. Quite the opposite. The world's population rose from 3.5 billion in 68 to 8 billion in 2022. Uh, All right, Tony, we'll take a quick time out when we come back. We want to talk about some good news. Despite all the gloomy headlines, our planet is getting cleaner and healthier tony heller founder of realclimatescience.com is here as we push back against the cult of climate change on the richard sarah show on saga 960
6: back to the conversation on the richard sarah show news talk saga 960
2: a.m Welcome back. Tony Heller is with us as we push back against the cult of climate change. He's the founder of RealClimateScience.com. Interesting piece on a website called Uh, BigThink.com. Tony written, um, well, I'm not sure who the the editorial staff put this together, but the headline is, despite gloomy headlines, our planet is getting cleaner and healthier. And uh, one of the key takeaways has to do with... The fact that air pollution is plummeting across the developed world—tell me about that.
8: Well, I, I've been involved in the environmental movement for over fifty years. You know, in fifty years ago, we did have serious environmental problems in the United States. Um, air pollution was terrible. Um, cities like Los Angeles and New York—they, there were some days the air was so thick with smog it was dangerous for a lot of people to go outside. Um, You couldn't see across the Grand Canyon on a lot of days back in the 1960s and early 70s because of pollution from uh, coal-fired power plants in the region. Um, There was terrible water pollution. Lake Erie was nearly dead from water pollution. So we had very serious environmental problems 50 years ago, which we addressed. Um, the air is much cleaner now. The water is much cleaner now. And we've made a lot of progress. But unfortunately, the environmental movement has been hijacked by the, the climate scamsters.
2: Right, right.
8: Um, where
2: pollution is a problem, uh, indoor pollution in particular, it's in in places like Africa where they don't have access to Uh, cheap, affordable energy or sorry, affordable energy. And so they're burning animal dung inside their homes to keep to to cook their food or to heat their homes. And they're dying uh, from uh, all of these respiratory ailments because, again, they don't have access to natural gas and 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 coal and and, uh, electricity. Nobody talks about that.
8: Yeah, the, uh, you know, the that other article you sent me about the New York governor wanting to ban um, natural gas stoves for cooking. And people in, in developing countries would love to have natural gas stoves because right now, as you mentioned, they're burning dung, they're burning wood. Uh, millions of women are dying prematurely in those countries precisely because they don't have access to natural gas Which here in New York and in other parts of the West, governments are planning to shut down these clean, reliable sources of energy. Right. Uh,
2: Yeah. Joe Biden wants to to ban natural gas stoves. Uh, Governor Hochul, she wants to ban gas, natural gas furnaces. So I don't know what she wants. I mean, just think back a couple of weeks when Buffalo got slammed with that huge winter storm. She doesn't want new homes to have gas furnaces. Uh, what does she want people to heat their homes with?
8: Yeah, you know Barack Obama, you know, owns a twenty million dollar home on the beach in in Massachusetts, and he applied for a permit for a five thousand gallon propane tank on the property. And he's not putting up a wind turbine. He's not putting up solar panels. He's using fossil fuels because he knows they're reliable to um, to heat to keep the home warm and for cooking. That's exactly what these Democrats want to deny um the rest of the population from having.
2: Tony, I'm just on your website, realclimatescience.com, and um reading here about and I was sort of half joking about this the other day when when not joking, but there were all of these well we, we know the um the litany of uh young, otherwise healthy uh, adults collapsing, uh, athletes collapsing, clutching their heart. Uh, f- collapsing on the basketball court or the tennis court or the football field um and i was half joking that you know the left uh they they know definitely that it's uh, it's not the vaccine so they're blaming climate change and and things like racism that's why young people are dying of heart attacks and strokes uh, i know that you've written about this on the uh on uh, the website realclimatescience.com about um uh, climate change to blame for all of these uh, heart attacks and strokes in young people.
8: Yeah, ABC News was trying to blame the uh, they, they acknowledge that there's been an increase in heart disease. Um, and then they mentioned one specific case in 1995 of an athlete who died in the heat from a heart attack. And then so they tried to extrapolate that out to the thousands of recent deaths of athletes um, due to heart issues. And, um, you know, including just this past week or two ago in January, an NFL athlete collapsed with a heart attack on the field. Uh did they want us to believe that the weather in January is too hot for athletes to survive now? The, the, the whole premise is absurd.
2: Uh, what's happening in California? It's funny. You know, they had the of reports of this drought, this never ending drought. And now they're getting torrential rain. But it doesn't matter because the for them. The uh, the climate alarmists, the drought was caused by climate change. And now that it's, you know, the rivers are sw- are swollen. It was a video of Ellen DeGeneres, um, you know, saying that we have to be nice to Mother Nature. She's very angry with us. Uh, now, of course, the rain is being blamed on climate change.
8: Yeah, this is this is the normal climate of california they alternate between back and forth between droughts and floods and their worst flood by far was in the winter of 1861 1862 Um, sacramento was underwater for six months they had to move the capital to san francisco and the state actually went bankrupt and this was followed immediately by a three or four year long drought which largely wiped out the cattle industry in southern california um, in 1966, 1977, California was having a terrible drought, which was once again immediately followed by massive flooding, for which lasted for several years. Um, I remember going to Southern California during spring break of 1978. It was, it was. Rain nonstop all the time I was there. It was very cold. And this was just a few weeks or a few months after the end of this terrible drought they had, which Governor Brown described as a drought disaster of unprecedented magnitude. There
2: you go. So all is normal in California Tony Heller, founder of realclimatescience.com. Tony, thanks for coming on again. Happy New Year. Looking forward to uh, many more great discussions throughout 2023. Thank you so much.
8: Thank you, Richard.
2: All right. I want to mention uh, this while I remember it. It's a terrific contest that we're running here on Saga 960. If, uh, if you and your family are huge Mississauga Steelheads fans, and of course, we carry all the games Uh, if you've ever dreamed of calling a professional hockey game live on the radio or wish you could have when you were a kid, well, here's your opportunity. If there's someone in your family or someone, you know, that's aged eight to 13, they have to be eight to 13, boy or a girl, and they can become part of a Mississauga Steelheads radio broadcast. Wouldn't that be cool? You can get all the details at saga960am.ca and uh, learn how to be part of this, uh, historic moment. The Mississauga Steelheads are playing January the 15th against the Barry Colts. So the winner, the winner will be selected uh, as part of the broadcast team for that game on January the 15th. They'll they'll help conduct the pregame interviews. They'll do game analysis during intermissions. And of course, they'll do play by play during the game itself. This is so cool. Again, you can get all the details at Saga 960 a.m. Dot ca about how someone you know aged 8 to 13 could become a uh, mississauga steelheads broadcaster for a day saga 960 am dot ca all right one more little item a little house cleaning uh duty here jacob goldback of course my fine technical producer and uh, his co-host brandon depont who left me but I wish him great success. They're co-hosts of a terrific sports talk show called The Swing. Normally, normally they're on Mondays at 7 p.m., but they're going to be on tonight at 7 p.m. because it was a hockey game on Monday. Is that right? No, there was something on Monday. It was a basketball game. That's right. The 905 Raptors played on Monday. So you were preempted.
1: is running out. This message is paid for by Lines for Fair and Equitable Policy.
2: So you'll be on tonight, The Swing, with Jacob and Brandon, 7 p.m. Right here on Saga 960. All right, hour two of the Richard Serrett Show awaits. Michael Wilkerson, the author of Why America Matters, will be here with 12 predictions for 2023. We'll also hear from Kean Bextie. Independent journalist and editor in chief of the Counter Signal, regarding the uh, uh, the persecution of Dr. Jordan Peterson, and Andrew Lawton will also be here. Andrew will talk about Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland, who will be attending the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos next week. All right, stay tuned for hour two, the Richard Seret Show, right here on Saga Nine Sixty. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management.
3: Seeking truth and justice in
2: a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett
4: Show.
3: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm
6: not
2: gonna take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through
4: her eyes, if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order. You're
6: and you
2: will All right, welcome to hour two of The Richard Serrett Show. Check out the website, therichardserretshow.com. S-Y-R-E-T-T, therichardserretshow.com. And you can contact me through the website, through the contact page, you can listen to all previous episodes, every single one on the listen page. And you can learn about my regular cast of contributors on the about page, the richardseratshow.com. There's even a way you can call the program from the website. I guess you have to have the right app, but uh, the number is right there on the, uh, the homepage. Probably not going to have time to take calls today, uh, but uh, tomorrow, Friday, most days we will take calls and just as a, uh, a reminder, the number to get on board, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. All right, coming up a little bit later this hour, Andrew Laden will be here. Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland getting ready to head off to Switzerland, Davos, Switzerland, to attend the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. She's just totally unrepentant. Does she not, is she not able to read the room? I think it's safe to say that most Canadians find it odious that uh, our federal cabinet has been, how shall I say, heavily influenced by Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. She has no business going there. Their values, the values... Of the World Economic Forum do not align with our values. Did Klaus Schwab recently say people shouldn't be allowed to have cars, private automobiles, private property? And yet, there she goes, and she's still sitting on their board of trustees. Should not be allowed. All right, we'll also check in with Kian Bexty, editor in chief of The Counter Signal. And we'll continue to talk about Dr. Jordan Peterson being persecuted by the College of Psychologists of Ontario. They've threatened to revoke his license unless he stops bashing Prime Minister Trudeau. And uh, as we'll learn for kian Bextey, it's personal. He's got an interesting story to tell about uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson. All right, 2022, a year of surprises. I think we're well aware of that. Not nice surprises. We had Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We have. Persistent inflation fueled by energy costs, the collapse of FTX, crypto markets, the revelations of the Twitter files, one of the worst equity markets in recent history, to name but a few. But 2023 is likewise poised to present some equally challenging circumstances. And my next guest has 12 trends, events or surprises that may come to shape and define the year ahead Michael Wilkerson is the author of Why America Matters, the Case for a New Exceptionalism, and he's also the founder of Stormwall.com. Michael, Happy New Year and welcome back. How are you?
3: Happy New Year to you, Richard. Great to be back with you.
2: All right, let's just dive right in. Um, inflation, What's what, what do you foresee in 2023 with regards to uh, inflation?
3: Yeah, so as you mentioned, I made 12 predictions about events that were possible or, pro- or uh, likely to happen in 2023. Uh, on inflation, I believe I'm the minority report here, the one that no one wants to hear from, and that I argue that we're not done. We haven't seen the worst of it. Uh, that, uh, speaking here, uh, the U.S. market CPI is likely to return somewhere between 8 and, and 12%, notwithstanding the fact that it's come down. You know, There's a lot of factors going on here, but the underlying issues that drove inflation to begin with which is out of control monetary policy, the tripling of the U.S. dollar supply uh, that hasn't been addressed. Uh, running deficits uh, are, are debt and you know this monstrous expansion of our government. And at the same time, on, the, on a global scale, you've got China reopening, which is going to create all sorts of demand for all sorts of things. So you're going to get cost push inflation uh, that is going to keep pressuring consumers' wallets, unfortunately
2: we often associate inflation with with growth but this is a different yeah. this is a different type this is inflation plus unemployment stagflation
3: that's right and so you're right you know typically you'd see inflation uh, rear its head when markets are growing quickly and you know that's that sort of demand pull the other side of it we we have what we assume something similar not exactly the, the same as what was we saw in the 1970s when The economy was in recession. Things were getting worse. Unemployment was rising. And yet inexplicably, prices continued to rise. And so my second prediction is we are likely to see uh, the economy enter recession in the first half of 2023. This one's less controversial. A lot of people, the consensus I think agrees that we're seeing signs of the economy is going to go bad. Now, they, a lot, the consensus would say that means that inflation is going to come down and that's where, where I diverge. But look at what is happening uh, in the housing market. So we've got this big slowdown uh, across all sorts of indicators you've got layoffs we've had over 160,000 tech sector layoffs in the uh in the US since the beginning of 2022 the pace is accelerating amazon i believe it was 18,000 people that was announced uh, just last week so i think we're, we're we're heading into a pretty difficult time and uh, and the, you mentioned inflation plus uh, unemployment you add up those two things together you get what's called the misery index which is a pretty uh, apropos phrase for you know those combined statistics. And uh, we haven't seen this in a while, but there's a risk that those two things start going up into the teens on right. a combined basis. Yeah.
2: Some of us are old enough to remember Jimmy Carter, the Carter administration. I think that's maybe when, when they started to first use the misery index. And then on top of that with Jimmy right. Carter, you had, you had inflation, you had unemployment, and then you had the energy crisis under Jimmy Carter. Well, we've got a, an energy crisis happening in Europe right now. Now, where people are in Germany, for example, venturing into the black forest to chop wood, to heat their homes, what's uh, what's going to happen uh, this winter and, and beyond in Europe vis a vis the energy crisis?
3: You know, there are a lot of concerns over the course of summer and early fall that uh, we would see massive issues in Europe. Two things happened. One, they were able to, to fill up their the surplus, their supplies of gas. And secondly, so far, the winter has not been as bad as expected. But I argue that we are not out of the woods yet uh, on the energy crisis, especially in Europe. Well, why why is that? Again, just like I talked about with inflation, the underlying causes of the crisis haven't been addressed. We had countries all over Europe abandoning their traditional sources of energy strength uh, in order to uh, pursue this sort of uh, green utopia Um and let's get, take a couple of examples, you know, Germany, which is the, the largest economy, um, basically gave up on its world class and clean cleanest in the world coal industry. To pursue a green future that involved gas from Russia, their historical enemy, that has proven to be a massive strategic folly, and that they're trying to now undo, but it's a little—you know—it's going to take them years to to uh, recover from it. And similarly, France, which has the best in best in the world nuclear power capabilities. But similarly, over the last few years, we're slowly in a process of decommissioning and moving away from nuclear power. Well, that's come back to bite them. So in the middle of summer and the heat waves last year out of their 56 facilities, nuclear facilities, over half were out of commission, either because they were being decommissioned or they were offline for scheduled or unscheduled maintenance. And we ended up with rolling rolling uh, blackouts. Across uh, across France uh, last summer. So I argue that until you solve the underlying problems, we're just going to keep coming back to the same issues. All of these wounds are self-inflicted, Richard. I mean, just just also in North America you know, we have such an abundance of, of resources here. Uh, but if we don't exploit them if we don't use them, uh, we may find ourselves back in a similar situation, as you described in the 1970s. Precisely.
2: Uh, Germany's chancellor came to Canada cap in hand looking for our natural gas, and our prime minister couldn't see a business argument to sell liquid natural gas to Europe. It would have meant a third of a trillion dollars, that contract. Um, no business argument. Uh, Michael Wilkerson is with us, author of Why America Matters, the Case for a New Exceptionalism. He's also the founder of Stormwall dot com. Just about a minute and a half here before we break, Michael. So we, we, we were talking about uh, the energy crisis in Europe. What is this going to mean for the energy markets?
3: So I uh, are. are- Argue that oil is going to continue its bull run. Oil and energy markets generally. You think about the issues that are going on in Europe, which we just described. I also mentioned the reopening of China. That's very bullish for uh, for oil. And in fact, I, I think commodities are going to continue to have a pretty strong run here uh, because of that of that issue. China's reopening will impact the entire uh, commodities complex and uh, and gold as well. Why gold? It turns out that uh, the central banks around the world are aware of what's going on with the fiat currencies. Places like China, India, uh, and and Russia and elsewhere have been stockpiling gold and central banks as quickly and as quietly as they can. Um, there's some false stuff going on in the, in the market pricing of gold right now because of a lot of derivatives in the banking sector. But ultimately, this is going to drive prices higher. And I also argue... You know, crypto, given it, you know, the terrible year that it's had uh, in 2022, with many frauds and failures, is poised for a rebound. But uh, only the strongest will survive Bitcoin, uh, Ether, et cetera. A lot of these altcoins will fall away.
2: All right. We'll take a quick time out, come back and continue with Michael Wilkerson's 12 predictions for 2023. The author of Why America Matters, the Case for a New Exceptionalism, founder of Stormwall.com. Back with more of our conversation right here on The Richard Serrett Show, Saga 960. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. A few minutes remain with author Michael Wilkerson, and uh, the book is Why America Matters, the case for a new exceptionalism. He's also the founder of StormWall.com, and we don't have time for all 12 predictions, Michael, but I just wanted to jump ahead uh, to... What's happening in uh, in Ukraine? And you're saying that the um, the West, weary of the cost of the uh, Ukraine war, is going to uh, sue for peace. So uh, you think the United States, Europe are going to, to pull Zelensky aside and said, that's it, we're done. The uh, the, the the money taps uh, are turned off.
3: So the first thing I have to say uh, to, to uh, just describe this is that I do not believe the narrative that we are getting in the mainstream media around how the war is progressing. Uh, I think we painted a very rosy picture of Ukraine's resilience, resistance. And of course, what's happened in Ukraine is a terrible thing. You feel terribly for the citizens of that nation. But I don't think we're being told the truth. I think the, the, the war is going actually badly. Uh, and as a result, all of this money that's being put into there is going to go one of two ways, either risking a further escalation with more NATO involvement. And we're seeing that ratcheting up right now. I think at some point, the West determines that the, the, the risk and the price of that is too high, not just the monetary cost, which is already enormous. The U.S. is already uh, authorized up to getting close now to $100 billion, U.S. dollars, in order to... I continue to support Ukraine, but also the potential risk to, to peace and a broader European war. As a result, it's what you just said. The, the, the idea that I propose that at some point they pull Zelensky aside and say, here's the promise of tens of billions of dollars more for reconstruction of your nation. Uh, But we have to get to a negotiated agreement that probably means loss of some territory, the the Russian speaking areas in Donbass and elsewhere. And uh, and that uh, everybody has to settle for a half a loaf of bread rather than no loaf at all.
2: Uh, Finally, the uh, the prediction, you call it the domino effect of exposure leading to greater transparency. Explain
3: yeah. So one of the main things I talk about in Why America Matters, the book that I've just uh, just published, is this incredible misinformation, disinformation, propaganda that has been emanating uh, across the country. And we saw it for the first time really exposed uh, during the pandemic era, this era of lockdowns. There was so much uh, misinformation going on around origin of the vaccines, around uh, vaccine efficacy and adverse effects. Uh, and now I think most recently, most memorably, the disclosure of the Twitter files around uh, government collusion with big tech to uh, twist and turn the narrative. I argue that these are the first dominoes to fall, that what we're seeing uh, actually goes much, much deeper, much more complicated, and that we are in a period of discovery and exposure just as we're seeing now that this is going to continue, that transparency is the first step to real change because only with transparency can you have accountability. For example, a changing of the guard, a majority in the House of Representatives in the U.S., uh, and with it, uh, bringing uh, hearings on, on these very issues, uh, I believe will ultimately have teeth. And we're going to see some very surprising outcomes, including uh, people being removed from position uh, arrests and even convictions. Right. Very exciting. The
2: the concessions that were won from Kevin McCarthy in exchange for him getting uh, the, the, the speaker position. We have a new church committee which will uh, investigate what they call the weaponization of government, not just the FBI and the CIA, but all levels of government targeting American citizens. That I think bodes very well. Uh, Michael, how do we get a copy of Why America Matters?
3: Easiest way is just go to whyamericamatters.com. It's easy to remember. You can go from there. You can also find it anywhere books are sold online. So Amazon, Google, Apple, but uh, whyamericamatters.com. You can find all my writings and all my media at stormwall.com, stormwall.com uh, to hear more uh, about these topics and others.
2: And just We uh, just have about a minute here. If you could just give us a kind of an overview of what Why America Matters, the case for a new exceptionalism is all about.
3: Uh, it really was the telling of a story, uh, a story of this nation. If somebody asked me, did you write a political book? I said, no, 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 not at all. I wrote a romance. I wrote a, a love story of my love for my nation. And I did it for a couple of reasons. One, to help remi- remind people. Uh, and to awaken the nation and, and for people who have never heard the story before, especially the younger generation. And I also wrote it to encourage uh, Americans that it's not too late. This country is not dead or dying. It's in a, in a winter season. It feels dark and cold and hard. But we need to go through this process, even as we just talked about, with information disclosure uh, in order to get to the other side, a spring-like renewal. Um, and, uh, and I'm optimistic about the future of this nation and, and, and our place and our role in the world. Why America Matters, the Case for a New Exceptionalism. Michael, great
2: speaking with you again. Happy New Year. I hope we'll uh, do it again soon. Happy New Year, Richard. Thanks very much. All right. Incidentally, uh, if you'd like to read all of Michael Wilkerson's 12 predictions for 2023, go to publiusnationalpost.substack.com. Publius, that's P-U-B-L-I-U-S, publiusnationalpost.substack.com. Dot com, 12 predictions for 2023. All right. When we come back, Ian Bexty editor in chief of the counter signal will tell us why his uh, crusade to save Dr. Jordan Peterson Jordan Peterson from persecution is personal. That story is next. Stay with us. The bull
6: session continues on the Richard Serrett show news talk saga 960
2: AM. All right. Welcome back. So the uh, rally, the pro Jordan Peterson rally in front of the Ontario College of Psychologists in Toronto this afternoon seems to have been a success. Several hundred people in attendance. It was peaceful, as we anticipated it would be. Not sure if the, uh, the brain trust, and I use that term lightly, at the College of Psychologists of Ontario got the message. I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, but they are trying to silence Dr. Peterson. This isn't about uh, his conduct as a licensed psychologist in the province. This is about his political views. This is about the fact that he believes in an objective reality. And the college and its directors and board and executives obviously do not think about that for a moment. The irony Their their job is to oversee and license psychologists who are there to help people struggling with mental health issues. And the college board doesn't seem to understand that there is such a thing as an objective reality. Just let that sink in for a moment. Well, Keen Bexty is an independent journalist, editor-in-chief of The Counter Signal. And for him, this is personal, and he's here to tell us why. We don't have Kian Bexty.
1: is running out. This message is paid for by Lines for Fair and Equitable Policy.
2: Uh well, we're going to try and get Ken Bexie on the program hopefully. Okay. Why don't we open up the phone lines then at 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Maybe you'd like to weigh in on the persecution of Dr. Jordan Peterson. 289-275-9600 the persecution of dr jordan peterson at the hands of the the board the executives the director the director of investigations at the college of psychologists of ontario what do you make of all this 2892759600 i'm just going to open up my call-in studio as we speak so excuse the typing. All right, there we go. We are ready to take your calls 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Coming up a little bit later. Andrew Lawton will be here, journalism fellow at True North, and we'll talk about Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland. Despite all of the Well she she simply does not read the room. I would say, nor does the liberal party. I think people are very upset with the kind of influence that Klaus Schwab, who is clearly a villain. He is not a good guy. His values do not align with ours. So for her to be heading over there to return, to retain her position on the board of trustees for this odious organization, again, like the College of Psychologists, she is beyond contempt. Beyond contempt. Two eight nine two seven right, I want to play this for you. Is that home? We may have a call coming in, actually. Or is that you, Jacob? No? Okay, let's try. Let's see who's here.
5: Hello there. Oh, uh, this is Al. I'm calling about the topic of uh, the persecution of george peterson
2: yes thank you yes turn your radio off please because we're in delay turn off your radio <laughs> yes. and, um, yeah. thank you
5: go ahead sorry about that hi richard um hmm. yeah i was just uh wanted to kind of make the point that unfortunately it's i guess nothing too new uh especially for ontario uh, i'm sure you're probably aware of like the persecution of all of the dissident doctors in ontario like dr patrick phillips he was a regular in um, the show. And,
2: and, Absolutely. I'm, I'm familiar. Yep.
5: Um, and then also, I think it was the, the I guess, the legal board um, had kind of a, a similar situation. I don't think there was any high profile, um, I guess, people involved, but they had the similar, um, like the compelled speech forcing them to make diversity equity statements that I think Jordan, Dr. Peterson pointed out himself that just... Uh, I just want to kind of make the point that we've got to keep eyes out of all of these regulatory boards that seem to be very ideologically captured.
2: hundred percent. They are, they are murdering their own reputations. They are totally undermining our faith and our trust in all of these institutions, whether it's the college of physicians and surgeons, whether it's the the college of psychologists, whether it's the school boards, um, Mm -hmm. they're just murdering their reputations. And, um, we, we have to twenty we have to make twenty twenty three the year that that um, people became awake and started to stand up and started calling out this this um, odious behavior on the parts of uh, on the part of these um individuals and organizations and licensing agencies and and so forth. Thank you very much for the call. Great to hear from you. All right. When we come back, perhaps we'll have Kean Bexley. Or we'll just keep the uh, the phone lines going. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. The Richard Serrett Show. Back with more after these.
6: Just having a little chin wag on The Richard Serrett Show.
2: News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. and Bexty, editor-in-chief of The Counter-Signal, The Persecution of Dr. Jordan Peterson by the College of Psychologists of Ontario, is personal. And he joins us now. Happy New Year, Kian, and uh, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Richard. So uh, tell us, uh, going back to, I guess, your university days and uh, your invitation to Dr. Jordan Peterson to speak at your uh, school.
7: Yeah, you know, we invited Dr. Peterson to come out. It was a little bit before he was a household name. Um, he he had been in a few videos talking about radical Trans ideology and 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 the woke left kind of before anyone else was really talking about it, um, so that was inspiring to us as conservatives on campus. But when we brought him out, we were we were pretty overwhelmed with the response, the amount of people that showed up to to, to listen to him, uh, but also to ask um, ask the doctor questions about everything in their lives, ranging from su- suicides of close friends that they were dealing with to um, personal issues between. Family members and, and family members who were being sort of brainwashed into this this transgender ideology, and they, they saw them losing their sister, and actually a few of them broke down into tears in front of Dr. Peterson as he was answering their questions and sort of giving them an impromptu um, an impromptu psychology session therapy, and it, it was really fascinating to watch uh, because. You know he was giving he was giving access to people uh he was giving therapy access to people uh, and professional access to people to, to in ways that they never would have had access before um, young men especially don't go to therapy they don't speak to psychologists, and they deal with problems that, frankly, nobody helps them with. The university doesn't help them with. The mainstream media doesn't help them with. The government doesn't help them with mental illness and and the struggles that they deal with. But Dr. Jordan Peterson was there for these people. He wasn't even getting paid for it. He was just there to support them. So that was something that made me, as as I witnessed it, really like this man because He was speaking to people on such a personal level and so candidly that it was it was unlike anything I've ever seen. And when I see the College of Ontario psychologists say, "Nah, man, you got to your license is gone. You've you've been too mouthy on social media. Um, You got to go. It really disappoints me because I've seen firsthand what he's done for people. Uh, And, you know, if, if it's if he was to to have another patient and just save one more life, I think it would be worth it. Wouldn't you? absolutely absolutely and
2: none of these complaints none of them uh there's been about what a dozen complaints from around the world none of these complaints come from his patients these are people that don't like
7: jordan peterson's politics yeah exactly i I, it's it's a massive problem in professional associations universities as well um all kinds of you know engineering associations Medical associations, all of this stuff. People who have to report to a governing board full of elites who are, you know, way over their head in terms of management, uh, have to report to these people and these bureaucrats so that they can do their job. It's insane. The rules that they make up. Oh, you can't, you can't be on social media criticizing the prime minister. Are you kidding? Uh, no. You know, a psychologist's job is to treat patients uh, and and do no harm and make sure that their patients live fulfilling in long lives. And the College of Ontario psychologists don't seem to understand uh, what they're there for. They're there to protect practicing, uh, practicing psychologists and their patients. And this is absolutely not doing that. Well, the other uh, the
2: little bit of irony here, I think, Ian, is that this, is, this governing body is calling out a psychologist who affirms the existence of an objective reality. So <laughs> what mm-hmm. business do they have? <laughs> handing out licenses when they don't understand that there is an objective reality.
7: Well, that's, that's part of this, right? The, the elites in these professional associations, whether they're, you know, psychologists or veterinarians or whatever, uh, whether they're in a university or other administrative body, um, they are in way over their head. They tend to be left-wing. They tend to be very politically correct. That's how that's how you rise in a bureaucracy is by being extremely politically correct, and it ends up causing this association, whatever it is, to be governed by woke idiots. And that's the case here. Uh, it's people who are in over their head. Um, they're they're woke and they hate, they have a bone to pick with just. Uh, they have a bone to pick with Jordan Peterson for reasons completely outside of uh, professional ones. It's all political. And uh, I mean, that's why thousands, over a thousand people rallied outside of their headquarters today in support of Dr. Peterson. Because when you look at the facts of this, it's just outrageous what they're doing to him. All right. Tell us about the uh,
2: the petition that you have at uh, the countersignal.com to defend Jordan. Yeah.
7: Yeah, actually, I I was shocked how much this petition blew up. Over 40,000 people signed it, uh, and it's still growing. We're going to deliver it tomorrow, and lots of people are going to defendpeterson.com. You just go there, and you can fill it out for yourself. You can sign it if you want, um, and we're delivering those signatures to the college because they need to know exactly how many people are behind Dr. Peterson, uh, and especially uh, we want that to contrast with the amount of politically charged complaints that they've gotten, Um, we want to make sure that they know that the vast majority of Canadians support the ability for professional, and these are people signing this, by the way, are people who didn't necessarily support Jordan Peterson's politics or uh, know much about him. They just saw the facts of this case, and they think that professionals have a right to practice their job uh, without being censored by a politically correct mob, because Here's here's the thing, Richard. They come for Jordan Peterson first. Uh, then they realize they can do it. Then they come for everyone else. I mean, they, frankly, they, are, they they are doing it to other people. But if we if we don't draw the line in the sand and say, no, you're not coming for our our jobs because we don't. Agree with woke politics. Um, where, where will we draw the line if not here? So people are people are making their voices heard, uh, and we're we're helping them do that by delivering this petition tomorrow. And yeah, it's a it's a peterson dot com is a really easy URL for people to sign in. Well, let us make twenty twenty three the year we all draw a very big
2: line in the sand. Keen Bexty, independent journalist, editor in chief. Of The Counter Signal, again, defendpeterson.com, where you can sign the petition. Kian, thank you so much. Hope to talk again soon.
1: Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? Is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.
2: For sure. Thanks, Richard. All right. When we come back, Deputy Prime Minister Christian Freeland is off to Davos next week to attend the World Economic Forum. Andrew Lawton is next with that story.
6: Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serge Show on News Talk, Saga 9:60 a.m.
2: All right. Deputy Dimwit is off to Davos, Switzerland, to meet with her overlord, Klaus Schwab. The uh, annual meeting of the World Economic Forum taking place next week here with more Andrew Lawton, journalism fellow at True North, host of The Andrew Lawton Show and author of The Freedom Convoy, the inside story of three weeks that shook the world. Andrew, Happy New Year. Welcome back. How are you? Hey, to you as well. Thanks for having me uh you were at the you were at davos uh the the wef meeting last year were you not
0: yeah i'm becoming the i'm becoming a frequent flyer at davos if i start to lose myself you'll have to bring me back in pry the cricket sandwich out of my hands and uh you know have me watching nascar just so i uh become like one of the masses again but this will be my second time there yes
2: Oh, you are flying over. That was my next question. OK, so uh, and we don't know whether Christian Freeland is going to speak, but she will be in attendance. I mean, if she's not speaking, what's we, the,
0: should we do? She is speaking, actually. Ah. So there was a bit of an update from my story yesterday. She is on a panel about peace and security alongside, uh, along along several others, the Secretary General of NATO. Uh, And it's my old theory that uh, she was removed from the foreign minister post and made finance minister, but she's never particularly wanted to stop being the foreign affairs minister.
2: Hmm. Um, And would it be, is she still um, um, on the board of trustees at the WEF? Do we know? Yeah, according to their website, she is. She still is a, a trustee for that
0: organization, which means that Uh, She's one of those ones who has to be effectively the guardians of the WEF mission. And that is a a paraphrase, but effectively right from the WEF language about shepherding the organization and fulfillment of its mission
2: and goals. And, yeah, she still has that role. Fulfillment of its missions and goals. Now, Andrew, would it do you think it's fair to say, and and I believe this, that the missions and goals, the values espoused by Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum do not align with Canadian values. Do you think that's a fair statement?
0: I, I don't even I don't know if I would go so far as to say that, because one of the challenges of the WEF is that they pretend that they have no policy agenda. They say, well, we're just a forum. We're just a place where people can talk about ideas. We don't actually have prescriptions. So in that sense, they kind of hide away from some of the more dangerous ideas that they're champions and members do discuss, which have Economic harms have harms to civil liberties. I would argue. Uh, so, I, I, even if you were to say that the goals are are aligned or loosely aligned, which I, I don't think they are, there's still a challenge of, of competing loyalty here. How does this woman stand as a minister of the crown while also sitting on the board of this organization? And by the way, we would ask that about a cabinet minister who was on the board of directors for Walmart or a cabinet minister who was on the board of directors for some lobbying group. I, like just. Purely out of the idea of what we expect from government, it's wrong, forgetting about the specifics of the organization in question.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Are there closed door meetings as well at the WEF?
0: There are some. Yeah. And the one that we have seen in the past, they'll have part of a thing that is uh, public and part of it is behind closed doors. Now, it looks like uh, Christian Freeland's panel and also Mary Yang, who's the Minister of Trade who will be there, their panels are going to be public. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've always pointed out, uh, having covered Davos now, is that people accuse the organization of being secretive. And I, I don't think that's a fair characterization because they're generally speaking quite proud of the things they talk about. And I think it's just because the media has this tendency to dismiss dissemination of these ideas as being conspiracy theories that we get into trouble. But no, you can look on their website
2: and, and watch a lot of what will be going well you say that they're they they don't um it's difficult to gauge whether they i think you're on mute uh andrew by the way uh i think that they've been or klaus schwab certainly has been pretty forthcoming in terms of you know his vision of the world i mean didn't he did he not just comment and say something to the effect that he doesn't think people should uh, should have uh, uh, private automobiles uh, or or private homes anymore? I don't know if he said that. I, I know
0: that there is this line that a lot of people circulate uh, about owning nothing and being happy. This idea that uh, was put forward in an essay that someone wrote on the WES website about the vision for the future and how we don't actually have property and we don't have privacy. And uh, what was so dangerous about that, in my view, is that we are are talking about people that like talking about these very big picture high level things that to them are abstract but to uh, the rest of us they're very real and uh, for example there was a, a guy last time uh, you and i may have spoken about this from alibaba who is bragging about how his company is developing this individual carbon footprint tracker that you can install that will uh, monitor what you eat and what you travel and how you travel and all of that and this is pushed to something uh, push to something that people who are really conscious and want to be conscious about their carbon footprint to do voluntarily but when people hear that from a, a chinese company this idea of a tracking you like a social credit score. These are things that we see are, are precursors to programs that could very easily become involuntary under the right circumstances, notably with a country like China.
2: Yes. And I think I don't know. I haven't seen any polls. I'd like to see a poll. Uh, maybe True North could do a poll. But how many uh, people, how, how they feel about um, Christian Freeland and, and Trudeau? cozying up to the World Economic Forum and whether they should be, um, you know, allowed to attend these meetings. Yeah.
0: And and certainly attending or not attending is is one question, but really taking an active role in this and and really becoming a cheerleader, because remember, whatever your issues are with an organization like the United Nations, and, and there are a great many or the World Health organization. These are are bodies that are comprised of governments which are elected. And and that's not direct democracy. You can't vote out the Secretary General of the UN. You can't vote out the head of the World Health Organization. But uh, at least there is, in theory, some measure of accountability and that the governments could uh, be responsive to voters who have concerns with it. The W.E.F. Is, is nothing. The W.E.S.F. is a corporation masquerading as the as an inter- an intergovernmental organization. And the fact that uh, people have been so uh, dr- driven towards appeasing and so driven towards giving this organization legitimacy is, I think, quite a negative reflection on those governments that have done so and those
2: politicians who have done so. I agree. Well, good luck in Davos. Hopefully you won't. uh, You you, you weren't. uh, Was it was it you that was stopped by the um, uh, they wasn't they were wearing these W.E.F. police badges or something?
5: uh, Yeah.
0: And and that uh, was not me. That was uh, Jack uh, Pobosiek from, I I believe, Human Events. And he was stopped. And, And when police were asked about them, it was like they're souvenirs. They're they're all just, you know, regular Swiss constables but they get these souvenir wef patches so it makes it look like they're the wef police so hopefully i will be uh, steering clear of the uh, police as they say in switzerland the wef police
2: i hope to not have any run-ins with them all right well godspeed good luck and uh, be safe andrew thank you so much how do we get a copy of the freedom convoy
0: It is on uh, Amazon, the Freedom Convoy, the inside story of three weeks that shook the world. You can also get it from Sutherland House Books. And hopefully we'll have a chance to chat about the uh, fallout
2: of uh, Davos with you in the future. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Andrew Lawton, True North. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken.